Hello, I'm psychologist Professor Richard Wiseman. And I'm science journalist Marnie Chesterton. A welcome to Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. We're on a mission, a mission to answer a thousand questions about the human mind. Can I ask a couple? Go for it. You mentioned the mind. A thousand questions about what exactly? Well, how we think, how we feel, how we behave. We're going to be talking about the psychology behind happiness, memory, dreams, even magic. And why am I here? Because we need someone to keep us on track. And also, if I just sit here and talk to myself, it's like a normal Saturday night. And no one needs that level of tragedy in a podcast. But I'm delighted to be here with you. You are the UK's only professor of the public understanding of psychology. You've surveyed 350,000 people to find the world's funniest joke, spent 10 years studying luck, and tracked 26,000 people to see what makes them happy. You're too kind. And a thousand questions means a thousand answers. Questions from the public, from you, from me, sometimes big questions. Like what's the relationship between the mind and the brain? Sometimes little questions like what is your favourite cheese? Brie. Wrong. That's one down but we've got loads more to do. So let's crack on. In this episode we'll be exploring the psychology of laughter. We'll be chatting about why we laugh, the different theories behind what makes something funny and the world's funniest joke. Which you genuinely interviewed 350,000 people to find? I remember it well. Let's get on with the show. excited because, Richard, you're well known for your research into the world's funniest joke. Now, please don't tell it to me yet. I'm going to tell it to you right now. Don't, don't. We there don't. Are, no, can no, I, can no, I say, no, no, we just need, I, we need to build it up first. Well, no, right? this is the thing. It's terrible. People, we will put it at the end of the episode, but people shouldn't get their expectations too high. Lower your expectations. Okay. This is this is you managing people in order to create an environment where maybe the joke is more funny? Well, at best. What I will do is tell you my Alsatian in the telegram office joke. Oh, go on. Alsatian goes into a telegram office. This is how old this joke is. Okay. Alsatian goes in and he says, it's a talking dog, I want to send a telegram. And the person says, well, what's the message? And the dog says, woof, woof. Woof, 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 woof. And the person says, well, actually, for the same price, you can send an extra woof. And the dog says, don't be ridiculous. That wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> That's great. It's a good joke. When that one came in, to the, I laughed like that. World's funniest joke, nothing. Silence around the office. I want to, I want to know, you have this thing called the Laughter Lab. Yes, yeah, so, so this was going back to 2001. When uh, the British Science Association, as they're called now, they wanted, uh, as part of British Science Year, to have an experiment that would run the whole year, could involve the whole nation, uh, lots of family-friendly stuff. And so I went in, I was doing mass participation experiments, and I hadn't actually got an idea. I did this thing that I've done many times, which is that as you walk through the door, you hope you're inspired. And normally when you walk through the door, you've got nothing and you walk back out slightly embarrassed. But on this one, I walked in, sat down, and they said, what's the pitch? I said, we're going to search for the world's funniest joke. They all went, oh, that's amazing, amazing, brilliant, we'll do that. So I go back to the lab, I go, I, we got it. Uh, we're going to search the world's funniest joke. And the people in the lab said, that's great. Any idea how we're going to do this? And I said, well, I didn't really work that bit out. That's, I don't do details. 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 Yeah. Um, and what we decided to do was set up a website, which in those days, a website that could collect information was quite a novel approach. So we set up the Laugh Lab website, two parts to it. One part, you could submit any joke you want. You typed it in. Second part, 
you had said um, what age you were and what country you're from, and then you were given five randomly selected jokes, and you had to say how funny you found them on a highly scientific gigolometer. Okay. Yeah. One to five. And then we thought, great. And so we launched this, and it went all over the world. It was it was a huge, huge story. And so it was decided that we should uh, get a, a photograph to go with this. And we decided to dress up one of my students as a giant chicken. I put on a white coat, and we had the chicken crossing the road. Nice, a classic. Classic. There's all these photographers there, all these journalists. And then one of them shouted, can the man playing the role of the scientist step back a little bit? <laughs> And I shouted, I'm actually a scientist. And then I looked and I thought, but I have got a six foot chicken standing next to me. But all these jokes come flooding in from all over the world. And we realised a terrible, terrible flaw in our plan. Which was? Some of the jokes were a little bit rude. Okay. Tell a lie. Most of them were filthy. Oh, so this is like um, chatbots. Yes. Yeah. So I met I met a guy who'd invented a chatbot right. and, it, and it, it taught itself... By kind of playing with what people right. wrote to it about. Right. And he admitted to me that he filtered about 50% yes. of what was coming in. That's depressing. And isn't I said, it? why? Because, you know, if you kept it all in, you would you would have created the ultimate filth bot. Yeah, but who wants a filth bot? Who wants to chat on well, a Saturday night? Well, apparently 50% of people want a filth bot. Isn't that depressing <laughs> that 50% is? So it was like that. Joke after joke after joke coming in. And so uh, the one I remember that kicked off this thing was a guy uh, goes to a priest and he says, I'm a doctor and I, I just feel terrible. I'm sleeping with my patients. And the priest says, well, you shouldn't be you know, too upset about that. And he said, well, you don't understand. I'm a vet. <laughs> yeah. So that comes in. That was interesting. Family-friendly yeah, stuff. Exactly. <laughs> but also, there's no swearing in that joke. There's nothing you could search for to go, if it says vet, take it out because they're a clean vet jokes and we realized the only thing we could do was employ a human yeah and so it was uh, emma my uh, very good friend emma who came in every morning to review the previous day's jokes and take out the dirty ones okay she ended up i kid you not with forty thousand rude jokes did she publish them in a book no she's very popular at parties though <laughs> You give her any rude topic and she's got like 10 really good jokes about it. Absolutely disgusting. So, I mean, that suggests to me that there's something like um, a universal sense of humour and that possibly involves knob gags or someone being hit with a plank of wood. So there's various theories about jokes and one of them is the Freudian theory. And the Freudian theory, so it's a Freud's model of mind. He was really into jokes, but he was not a funny man. Yes, I love the idea that he was really into them, but bad at them. Yeah, well, he's, apparently it's one of the least funny books uh, of not only that he wrote, but ever in the history of psychology, his interpretation of uh, jokes in the unconscious mind. But uh, the idea of Freud doing stand-up would be great, wouldn't it? That would be so That'd good. That would be the best thing. Your mum. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about how you feel unconsciously about her. Um, so... So Freud's model of the human mind, it's a bit like an iceberg. We've got the stuff we're conscious of, but there's a lot of ideas that are sexual and aggressive and taboos, and, and we've got those in the head, and we unconsciously suppress them. We, we, we push them into the unconscious. And they sit there bubbling up, and it's not good for us. And so you should release that psychic energy. The problem is you can't suddenly be aggressive or whatever um, so because it's socially unacceptable. And so you tell a joke about those topics, and that releases that psychic energy. And that's why he was so fascinated um, with, with jokes. 
Anyway, I write this up uh, in, in a book and I make a Freudian joke. This joke has come back to haunt me most weeks of my life. Excellent. The joke is, I say, Freud stuff is all great, um, but there's no science behind it. In fact, a lot of it is completely untestical. Yay. <laughs> Yay, exactly. Exactly, right? To me, that's obviously a joke. About now, every two weeks, I get an email. Read your book, Richard. You won't believe what you did. You put the word untestical when you meant untestable. And it's in a Freudian context. <laughs> Who would have? Oh, no. Every that's, two weeks. That's awful. I never know how to reply. Oh, so yeah. you need a little gif of a sort of tumbleweed or something <laughs> to send back to people. It's very sweet. They they write at all actually, but yes, yeah, so I've had that a lot. Um, and so Freud's idea is that lots of these jokes will be about things which are inappropriate. So death, for example, all the doctor doctor jokes. You know, doctor doctor. You said there's something there. There's something there, right? Oh yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, Sorry, so you were saying goes, doctor, no, no, doctor. No, 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 doctor. Doctor says I've got some bad news and some really bad news. What's the bad news? You've only got 24 hours to live. What's the really bad news? I tried to contact you yesterday. Oh, oh doctor, doctor joke, but it's making us laugh at death. And his theory, to the extent that, that, that Freud has theories, it, uh, testable, uh, or testicle, uh, is that if, if it's something that makes you particularly anxious, then you'll find it really funny. So if you're, for example, getting on a bit and, and worried about old age, then a joke about old age, you'll like so the old George Burns joke of, uh, you know, I got to the age where I go to tie my shoelaces up and I think, well, what else can I do while I'm down here? Uh, people a little bit older find that really, really funny. Uh, younger people don't. And so there's, there's definitely something to that Freudian notion. So he's got one theory yes. on, on why we laugh at jokes. Yeah, his famous line is... So, so he's saying there's a lot more to jokes than meets the eye. His famous line is, uh, a cigar is normally a cigar, but a joke is never just a joke. He's always saying there's something more to it. So anyway, yes, yeah, so we, get, we get all these jokes in. Emma's taking out uh, the, uh, the, dirty, uh, the ones. dirty ones and also repetition. So what's brown and sticky? A stick. Nick. 317 times. Every morning, what's brown and sticky? A stick. And we didn't want that to... to I think it's because it's the, when you're a kid and you get the big book of jokes, yes. that's on page one. Yeah. And so you, it's the first one. You always remember first, it. Exactly. Exactly. So we had that coming in. So Emma took those out as well. And then people come on and, and, and rate it. And as I say, at the time, no one was really collecting data on the web. And then we then attracted lots of people that tried to hack the site because they wanted to put on rude jokes. And so we had to have all these kind of levels of security. And in fact, we added so many levels of security that now we cannot get our own data. No. We, we've got it there. It's at the university and we have no way of getting at it because we ourselves put on so many levels and passwords and security and so on. So loads of people ask me for the Laugh Lab data and actually it's there, but we can't get it. It's firewalled Beyond where belief. people can't touch it ever. Ever. It's, yes, that's, and so, yeah, when aliens land in thousands of years' time, it'll be sitting there and maybe they'll be able to get at it. Who knows? We can't. So we're talking about laughter. Yes. Uh, why do we have this reflexive response of, of laughter? Well, laughter's interesting in that it is a social response. So um, if you're on your own watching a funny film, you normally don't... Do you laugh out loud? I mean, I did once. Actually, that was... Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah, I do, actually. I do. Is that wrong? 
It's not wrong. It's oh. no right or wrong. No. Just unusual. You, okay, yes, I do. You laugh out loud on your own. Yeah. And with your friends, do you laugh more out loud? Uh, yeah, probably. Right, yeah. So Hopefully. It's, <laughs> so it's a social I'm, I'm thing. I'm doubting myself now. It's a kind of bonding thing. It, it's, it's, you know, we're telling people we found it funny and so on. Um, so laughter is slightly different to, to humour. Finding something funny is different to, to laughing. And there's the Freudian notion, there's this kind of release of anxiety. The oldest theory is the superiority theory, which is it's a kind of cry of victory over somebody. That, and that's why so many jokes involve somebody looking a bit daft. Okay. I mean, that's the man being hit by a plank of wood. Yeah, custard pie in the face. Yeah. And you're laughing um, because... Uh, sorry, I'm laughing because there's a fantastic video clip uh, from, I think, sort of 1940s. I think it's Lupino Lane, who was a superb physical comedian. And in the clip, he talks for, I think, three minutes about the perfect way to place a custard pie. The angle, the speed, the twist, the way you make the pie, this huge thing. And then right at the end, he goes, I'll show you what I mean. And he doesn't do any of that. He just slaps the pie really hard in someone's <laughs> face. And you realise the last three minutes are all just a gag. Anyway, um, so, yeah, so, so a lot of gags. So the, the thing about, you know, I'm um, really proud of myself uh, because I just completed a jigsaw in 45 minutes and it says four to five years on the box. Right. Hey. <laughs> that would be a classic superiority joke. We laugh because we feel superior to this person who thinks they're really clever, but actually isn't. This is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind, and we're talking all about laughter. We've got a question from a listener called Claire about whether everyone is able to access the humour, because Claire says, a member of my family who shan't be named and shamed... Let's name them. Uh, uh, ..does not get jokes. Either she looks at you like you're being idiotic, or she has to have the joke explained to her, which, as we all know, kills the joke dead. Do some people just not have a sense of humour? Well, I don't think no one has no sense of humour. I, I think people vary, I like absolutely everything. Normally what you get is there's variations on what makes them laugh. So some people like the superiority thing, particularly if you've got low self-esteem, laughing at others makes you feel good. If you've got lots of anxieties and worries, the Freudian thing makes you laugh. Um, if you're enjoying puns, then that was it. And, and sometimes people who don't laugh at any of those things because they're all primarily verbal love slapstick. And somebody falling down a manhole cover, open manhole cover, we'll, 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 they'll kill themselves laughing at that. So it's normally not that they don't have any sense of humour, they just might not share your sense of humour. Oh, OK, yes. And of course there's a big attribution thing. If I, if I tell a joke and, and you don't laugh, well, I've only got two attributions. One is my joke isn't funny or I didn't tell it very well, which and that's can't, not going to happen. possibly be the truth. Or the other one is that you don't have a sense of humour. Well, there we go. Yeah. What do you call a <laughs> monkey in a minefield? A baboom. Hey! So, <laughs> um, uh, and not many people laugh at that joke. It's quite aggressive. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so, so yes, that, that's that's now. We, <laughs> sorry, in the lab, yes. in, in this laugh lab, did you spend a year just like reading these out to each other and laughing? No, it got so serious and tedious so early on. That's and then you had a year of it. a year of it every morning. Emma go taking out these one. Oh god, goodness, that's a horrible joke. Repetition. What's brown sticky? Take yep. those ones out. What have we left with? Five jokes. What are those? Awful. Right, stick those in. That's basically us for a year. Oh, 
That's terrible. Now, oh. it, but what's interesting about the no sense of humour thing is it does get into my theory about Christmas cracker jokes, for which I have no evidence, but this is my theory. Christmas cracker jokes, awful. Um, Father Christmas looks out the window, says to his wife, do you think it's going to rain, dear? Nice. Now, why would we be telling bad jokes? And my theory is because telling jokes is really quite hard, actually. You have to remember the words. You've got to get them in the right order. And if you've got a terrible joke and you get a groan, you just blame the joke. Yeah. So yeah. it's a weird oh, so bonding you, experience. So you all bond over the terrible you, joke. You bond because the joke is so bad and you, you're not being vindictive towards the joke teller. That makes sense. And that's my, my theory about it. Because actually telling jokes is a social situation. I mean, it, it's very difficult because if you don't get a laugh and you go, well, this is the funniest joke ever and you get nothing. And we've been here a few times with the, these episodes. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, basically, the edited footage is just silence. <laughs> as I try and explain why I've just said it's funny, um, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult moment socially. And that, that's why I think Christmas cracker jokes actually make us bond because they're so bad. Do you think they're different in, in different countries? I mean, is there a British sense of humour? Well, allegedly there is. Um, I mean, we found generally that, that most countries found the same jokes funny and, and so on. Uh, we did get some differences. So the in terms of maximally finding them funny using the gigglometer, uh, Germany came top. And Canada came bottom. Okay. Yes, which the Germans were delighted about. Yeah. Some Canadians, Canadi- not so much. And so some Canadians asked to see the jokes, uh, see the raw data, and we sent it over, and they said these jokes are terrible. What kind of people <laughs> would find this funny? <laughs> and you said this proves my point. Exactly. Okay. So it got a little bit nasty. Um, so we've spoken about Freud. We've spoken about superiority, which was a uh, Plato had the idea of the superiority joke, you know, sort of laughing at misfortune. And so he didn't really like comedies. He, he said to people, you should have serious plays, but you should avoid comedy because it's quite a base thing to do. Oh, what you should rise above finding stuff funny. That's right. He says it's quite animalistic to sort of laugh at other people's misfortune. He doesn't sound, I've never met him, but he doesn't sound like a bundle of laughs. I mean, I'm with him on the practical jokes. Like, ah. But I think I probably found them quite funny when I was younger. Right. And yes. I don't know why, but as I've got old and grizzled, I'm, <laughs> I just I just think they're a bit cruel. Yeah, I well, think they, I've they got normally softer. are. Oh, yes. right, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe just, I care about that now. Yeah, well, if they're directed at you, they're not quite so much fun and so on. Did, were you a big practical joker when you? Um, not as much as I wanted to be. I, I think I read a lot of comics where they were always doing this kind of thing, and it was hilarious because the characters were always like, "Oh, and a bomb goes off in his pants," and yeah. Yes, the best Christmas I ever had when I was about fifteen. We found the Chris- Christmas crackers the family were going to use, and I undid one end. I took everything out of the crackers so they're all empty. Put them on the table. Christmas dinner. Everyone pulls the crackers. Nothing in any of them. My father was furious. <laughs> He said, I should never have got these cheap crackers from the market. I'm going to take them back to the man. Uh, and I just thought that was fantastic. Did you tell him? No. no. <laughs> Even to this day, if he listens to this, it'll be the first time that he's ever <laughs> found out that I was responsible. You see, this is laughing at that is making me feel good. So I guess I want to ask, is laughter really the best medicine? I think it's pretty good. I mean, it, it depends what you're laughing. If you're laughing at someone, I'm, I'm not a fan of that in part because I've been on the receiving end of it so much. Really? Yeah, everyone. I mean, I'm laughing with you. Yeah, that's what they say. But you know when you leave the room and the laughter goes up. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. 
so that that's not good. But if it's a shared moment, it's something you're all. I think it is a kind of really bonding moment. And also in terms of well-being, there's lots of work saying if you can take life's sort of stressful events and find the funny side, actually it's really good for you. So there's questionnaires where it says, if this were to happen to you, would you make some kind of joke of it and, and, and so on? And folks who can do that live longer, healthier and so on. So as a coping mechanism, yes, it's really, really useful. There's the wellness version of this, which is, I think, laughter classes. So our producer was telling me about a laughter hotline that she once called. And you, you call a number at a set time of day um, at the same time as lots of other people and no one speaks, you just laugh, even if it starts out as a forced laugh. Yeah. I mean, one one of the best bits of YouTube I've ever seen is uh, some daytime TV where uh, the show where they just got people on because they had unusual laughs. Oh, that's great. It's so good. And there's about eight of them just sat there and someone asks a question, someone laughs, someone else laughs at that person's laugh. Suddenly you've just got this this uncontrolled hee-haw braying weirdness <laughs> and it's so good i'd recommend it's, that it's great i mean that kind of laughter club which started in uh india uh it's it's just it's that contagion again it's, it's what we're talking about in some of the other episodes it is that you fake it till you make it you know it is you don't need the joke to make you laugh actually if you start laughing and other people start laughing you get all the bonding and all the fun all the physiological effects um without the joke which in some instances is actually better than with the joke. Oh, talking of better with the joke, uh, what was the funniest joke? Well, I'll tell you in a second. But first of all, we haven't covered the third theory. Oh, OK. I want to cover the third theory. OK. I want to build up suspense for the okay. funniest joke. OK. Can, um, so can I say that um, some of the one of the least funny books I've ever read... If it's one of mine, I'm out of here. <laughs> No, yours are excellent and available in all good bookshops. Thank you. Um, no, it was it was a book that was trying to understand why why oh, we laugh. Oh, terrible! It's extraordinary. Yes. You're like, ah, oh, now I find nothing funny yes. and nothing, and and none of the theories that they talk about seem to quite hit it. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard. It's one of the things we wanted to do actually was kind of keep the frog alive to to use that sort of dissecting the frog idea. Because we wanted it to be fun, which is why we did the release of the jokes and the, the um, silly uh, photo opportunities and so on. Because I thought this would be terrible if we end up just killing humour, uh, which a lot of humour research does. So, yeah, that was one of our, our key goals. So we've spoken about superiority. Richard Wiseman kills yes. humour yeah. forever. 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 So we've spoken about superiority. We've spoken about Freud. The third one, nice theory, which is the idea that if you take a pun, so... Um, two fish in a tank, one turns to the other and says, do you know how to drive this? Old joke. So the originally you think tank, it's fish tank, and then you find out it's an army tank. You have a sense of surprise, but it's not threatening. So you have to have a signal to let other people in the group know that it's a surprise, but it's not a tiger in the bushes that's going to jump out and kill us all. Uh, we shouldn't be worried. And the argument is the laugh is that. And a lot of jokes fall into that pun category. Surprising, but non-threatening. And and 
who decides what theory is correct? I mean, Me. there can't be one theory. There isn't one theory, no. is there, that, that no. covers all the jokes? No, I mean, humans are quite complicated. And, and and social stuff is complicated and humour's complicated and when you laugh, when you don't, and blah, blah. so there's not going to be one theory and you go, that's it. Some jokes are Freudian, some jokes are superiority, some are puns, some things we're laughing because they're being brought down a peg or two. Um, you know, the teacher joke, the teacher says, right, uh, if you think you're stupid, come stand at the front of the class. And one kid comes up and she goes, well, do you think you're stupid? And he says, no, I just didn't want you standing there on your own. <laughs> so, so we're, you know, that, that's a complicated joke. It's Because it's, there's a lot going on there with status and, and so on. So there's never going to be one theory. Psychologists quite like this idea that, that things are a bit complicated, as indeed they are. So it, are those all the main theories? We've now covered all the main theories. OK. Well, except possibly for surreal humour which is where two things go together and you think, my goodness, what's going on there? But that tends to be covered under the surprise umbrella. OK. Did you hear about the man who's drowned in a bowl of muesli, pulled under by a strong current? Oh, <laughs> I love it. Really? That's very good. Um, I tell you what's not so good. Where's the other one here? Um, here we are. Right. What kind of murderer has fibre? A serial killer. Oh, yeah, that's not as good. Well, now that's an interesting joke because that was written by a computer. Okay. So we also put in some of these computer. And, and that's another interesting thing about this. Computers can generate puns. Yeah. But they can't really generate much more than that. Um, so that was a computer joke. But it did beat 250 human jokes. Oh, that's embarrassing. Yes. It's probably people who write, I have an excellent sense of humour in their dating pro profile. Yes, which just means different things. So we've answered... One, two, three, four. Four more questions on our quest to answer a thousand it's going questions. going very well. That's, Isn't far, it? That, that's three more than I thought we'd get through in the episode, actually. And, and we've had more laughs than I thought we'd have dissecting an episode about laughter, which is notoriously. As in one. <laughs> two now. Two. Two. Double your money. <laughs> Um, <laughs> a notoriously unfunny subject to pick apart. Yeah, it was tricky. It was not in the episode, but when we did Laugh Lab, yeah. uh, it was tricky. So, <laughs> it so sounds we, like a miserable year. It actually. was. It was. Uh, yeah, it was that was great actually. And this uh, is me laughing at that. <laughs> laughing ind indeed at my my miserable year superiority. Um, but so we did it. We got to the end. We got all these jokes. Uh, we've got a, over a million ratings. We get a world Guinness thing for the largest internet experiment ever at the time. We make the front cover of New Yorker, documentary made about our work, and we have to unveil the world's funniest joke. That is a lot of pressure. It was a lot of pressure. Because all the way through, I'm thinking, it's not going to be that funny. It's not going to be that funny. Oh, Richard, another article. Front cover of the Times. It's not going to be that funny. And so I, I knew we just sort of heading for a bit of a, a train wreck. Oh, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah. So so how did you manage people's expectations? Like you've done in this, well, it this episode. No, you it was like, harder to do go there. Low. We just said we're just going to have to grin and bear it. And that was the, that was the biggest reaction it got. <laughs> So, I need to know the joke. The right. big reveal. Big reveal. I'm going to what read it. What did you discover to be the world's funniest joke? Brace yourself. Brace yourself, listeners. Make certain you're not doing anything where if you fall over laughing, you could injure yourself or others. Two hunters. Oh, I can't face it. 
<laughs> this is really fun. Watching the torture on your face as you a tell 20 years. a 20-year-old 20 moderately unfunny joke, oh. which has got the label but, world's funniest joke But it brings back so many bad memories because... <laughs> It's the end of the talk on Laugh Lab. And for the last 40 minutes, right, when I'm giving this talk, I know I haven't got an ending that's any good. Oh, brutal. Two hunters. Yep. <laughs> you read it. Two hunters are out in the woods. One of them collapses. He doesn't seem to be breathing and his eyes are glazed. His friend whips out his phone, calls emergency services. He gasps, my friend is dead, what can I do? The operator says, calm down, I can help. First, let's make certain he's dead. There's silence, then she hears a gunshot, and back on the phone, the guy says, OK, now what? <laughs> that no, is a legend, that. really. Yeah. That, that's, that's the biggest reaction it's got in a decade. <laughs> I thank you for that. Well, that's dark. <laughs> it is quite dark. So it's, so it's about death things, so it's got the Freudian thing, it's yeah. got the superiority because the guy's, you know, thing, it's got a pun thing in it. So it's got all the elements... Um, and it's an okay joke. For me, the real garnish, the icing on the cake was your your <laughs> discomfort at telling this joke. That really mm, sweet spot for I me. I think we we found the colour beige in joke form because this is the one that most people like. If you go to any one subgroup, any age group, any country, whatever, a different joke wins. But across all of that, this is the joke that most people liked. So I apologise for the terrible ending. And all I can say is that the Alsatian joke is actually genuinely quite a funny joke. Yeah, no, I think they're both very good. And um, we can probably just add a laughter track onto this afterwards, that's fine. <laughs> Podimo and Telltale, this has been Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. Hosted by Professor Richard Wiseman and Marnie Chesterton. Our producer is Kate White. The executive producers for Podimo are Jake Chudno and Matt White. And for Telltale are Rami Sabar and Jago Lee. And if you like this podcast, tell your friends. Leave us a review. If you don't like it, tell your friends you did. Why should you be the only ones to suffer? Although it does help others find us. And don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at WisemanPod. Where we'll be regularly asking you for questions for future episodes. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.